yes, it's true that the top of the line of traditionally published authors are selling better and making more money than the top of the line of self-published authors. But right now you are comparing two groups that are quote unquote, like at the top, right? And nobody likes to think of their art as being rated that way, right? Like these books are your passion projects, right? These stories that live inside of you. But if you just look at the numbers, yes, that's true. Hi, friends. This is Read and Write with Natasha podcast. My name is Natasha Tynes, and I'm an author and a journalist. In this channel, I talk about the writing life, review books, and interview authors. Hope you enjoy the journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Read and Write with Natasha. So today we have with us Emily Anger. So Emily Anger is a book marketing and publicity coach. Uh, She teaches poets, fiction, and creative uh, nonfiction authors how to incorporate minimalist marketing strategies into their creative process so that they can become successful without feeling overwhelmed. So, Emily, hi, nice to meet you. I'm so excited to have you today, mostly because you're a book coach. So, for anyone who's listening or watching, can you please, Emily, explain to us what a book coach is? Hi. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show, Natasha. So I'm a book marketing coach. So the first thing I always have to do is, uh, anytime I'm interviewed, is explain the difference to audiences between what a book coach and a book marketing coach is. So a book coach is someone who helps you with the writing process, right? So that's somebody who's like an accountability partner with you that will help make your book the best that it can be. And then after you're done with that person (laughs) and you have finished your book and you have started along the publishing path that you choose, whether it's traditionally published or self-published, indie published authors, then that's where I come in as a book marketing coach to help authors understand, okay, what do I do now? Now that my next book is the best that it can be, how do I get visibility for that book? Ah, I see. I see now the difference. See, I didn't even know the difference. So that's that's good to know. So there's a book coach and a book marketing coach. Okay. So you were a book marketing coach. Correct. So you help authors to market their books. And from what I read from uh, from your bio, you used a minimalist approach. What yeah. does that mean? What okay. is your approach? If you can share this with us for free. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. That's, that's my favorite thing is coming on to shows <laughs> like yours and just getting to explain to authors who are overwhelmed how to not be overwhelmed. That is my, my shtick, I guess, um, for lack okay. of a better word. If okay. you try to do the marketing on your own without doing any research on book marketing, especially let's say you're a first-time author, so you don't know how the business works. And you start Googling, you start following different book marketing channels on, say, social media, you're going to get overwhelmed very, very fast because there's going to be this just barrage of content coming at you, telling you all the places you need to make sure your book is um, is listed, all the activities you have to do to make sure that you find new readers, all the, the effort you need to put into getting reviews for your book and how quickly those reviews need to come in. And, and it suddenly becomes like a full-time job. 
Correct. I've, I've been for, there. <laughs> yes, yes, right. And for some authors, you like that. You you love that part of the job. So you maybe thrive on that. But for authors who don't, for authors who are maybe a little bit more introverted or they have another book that they need to write next, or for many authors who are not making a full-time living writing, and so they actually have a day job that they go to as well, like they don't have time for all of those things. So my my minimalist approach is, is like, we just have to simplify this, right? We have to decide what are the pieces that matter the most in marketing that's going to get you the best, what we call ROI or return on investment. And that investment isn't just money, it's time. You know, of all the time that you put in, to marketing your book, which of those efforts give you the biggest rewards and only focus on those and not worry about everything else out there that isn't, that is a strategy that's just not working for you. Now, in terms of specifics as to what that is, it's going to vary from author to author because every author's voice is different, but also it varies from genre to genre, right? Unfortunately, I don't have a magic wand where I could be like, if every author's on TikTok and just TikTok, that'll that'll work. It will work for some authors of some audiences, but it might not work for others. And so really my belief and my strategy is all about figuring out what works for you. So there's a little trial and error at the beginning when you're first getting ready to launch your book. But then once you figure out that road to to focus on that road and not get distracted by all the shiny new ideas. All right. So let's do some sort of a role play. Okay. I, wa- I want you to coach me. Okay. So I have, I'm working on my second novel. I finished it and um, just tweaking it. And, you know, thinking about marketing, I'm going to self-publish or I'm not sure if I'm going to self-publish or I'm going to go with the published uh, with the publisher. And my genre is, Speculative fiction. Okay. Uh, it's kind of mystery, specu- like urban fantasy, you know, things that, you know, things are normal, but weird things happen like in, in suburbia, right? Where What works for me? What is the, the best uh, <laughs> ROI uh, marketing thing that I, I need to do? Okay, so let's let's turn the tables a little bit then. I'm going to ask <laughs> okay. you some questions and do okay. some mini interview inside this interview to learn okay. more about what you've already done. So this is your second book. Okay. So with your first book, was did you go through a traditional publishing path or are you an indie publisher? The first one? Yes, for the, the first tra- one. Uh, traditional small press. There's, okay. And okay. with that book, the number one question is how have you been talking to your readers? And so what I mean by that is hmm. social media, newsletter, even in-person events count. But in what way do the people who are already fans of yours, how do they talk to you? Some some on Twitter, some on email, and some Instagram. Actually, I had some on Instagram. Um, when you say email, are they sending you like fan email to your personal email, or are you sending out a newsletter and they're replying? Uh, some of them are few of them fan email, but the fan email usually come via social media, either Twitter or Instagram. Okay. Um. Yeah. So two social media platforms is not bad. Two is kind of a manageable number. So if you're doing both Twitter and Instagram, I think you could probably, if you like them both, I would still continue to do them both. But tell me which one your favorite is. Not in terms of numbers, but in terms of joy for you, which one do you like to use? Which platform? Twitter. Twitter? Okay. So then what I would say, because you're... 
you have to enjoy what you do, right? So joy has to be a factor that is considered when you're coming up with a marketing plan. So then I would say your number one focus should be Twitter with the next book too. And then second would be Instagram. Don't lose Instagram, but but think of in the front of your mind, Twitter as your, your place to be, okay? So then the second issue becomes frequency. How often do you post on Twitter? So I use Twitter for other stuff besides my fiction. I use it to like to get writing clients, other clients, because um, you know, I'm a full time writer and not only fiction, but but other parts, nonfiction, ghost writer, and others. So I use Twitter at least. I schedule tweets, so I tweet at least four or five times a day. Oh, that's fantastic! Okay, yeah. so then you're you're golden. Usually, when I talk to um, authors. Twitter's a little different, but other social media, they're like, well, once a week, maybe <laughs> like they don't like to use the platforms yeah. very often. So if yeah. you're, you're already doing great work then on Twitter. And so I would, I would lean into that when you're talking about the book, I would, I would push your audience to Twitter when you're talking to new audiences and make Twitter kind of your, your connection point between you and the reader. Okay. So then the next issue. So if that's, so that's the hub, that's where you're going to have you know, your readers, your connection point. Uh, so then it becomes getting new readers, right? And so mm. that's when we get into publicity. Correct. Yeah. So you are a podcast host. So you already know <laughs> kind of the, the back end of how podcasting works, uh, but it becomes being a guest. Now that could be on podcasts like you and I are doing now. Obviously you're comfortable with podcasts because you run one. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, you know, you can be looking at your local media, you can be looking at, you know, your uh, TV, you can be looking at, um, to say radio, also online pub publications, like online magazines. Uh, one of the great things that you can do is you can write an article, something nonfiction, because you do touch on different genres, and submit it to a publication that has to do with uh, that's the same type of place that readers of speculative fiction would hang out mm. right so so then what you're going to want to do is a little bit of research at the front end of just like what are these publications right i'm assuming you like to read speculative fiction as well if you're writing yeah it. so think of the magazines you like to read that are not necessarily for other writers but are for consumers for readers um, and can you contribute something to that publication what happens when you do this, not only does it get your name in front of new audiences, but at the bottom, usually of the article, there'll be a plus spot for your bio. At the bottom of your bio, you're going to link to your Twitter because that's your number one, that's your choice, right? Your number one hub of choice, but also your website, if you have a website. And I believe you do because I think I've been I on it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have a website, right? I um, do, yeah. And so what that, that website, what that link to your website does is it creates something called a backlink to your mm. website. A backlink helps you with SEO or search engine optimization so that your website starts to look more and more legitimate to the Google gods. <laughs> so when people are looking for speculative fiction or for other things that might be the same words that are on your website, it's going to give your, it's going to help your website rank higher on Google search so that people are finding you organically because, because your website is being treated more legitimately because you have several backlinks linking back to your website, if that makes oh, sense. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, you know, since I published uh, my novel, which is almost four years ago, 
things have changed dramatically uh, in, in social media. And one of the biggest changes is uh, book talk. And everyone is talking about book talk and the rise of Colleen Hoover, uh, of course, who's num- number one bestseller. Many people are at- attributing that to TikTok or book talk. So don't you think that maybe the first uh, advice we should tell everyone Go on book talk. Look what happened to Colleen Hoover. Forget about all the other channels. Let's just all embrace TikTok. Do you agree with that or no? Here's my my careful advice that I okay. give all my my authors right now. Because I don't want everyone to dissuade anybody from doing that. Something that they are are gamed to try do. Okay. Um, great. Go and try TikTok and use the book talk hashtag to get involved in that community. If that's something you're excited to do and you want to try. However, if you go in assuming that you are going to be the next Colleen Hoover, that's going to set you up for disappointment, right? So you have to go into it with realistic expectations. So here's what happened with BookTok. It did do really, really well. Um, It's still doing pretty well for authors, but it is doing less well than it was doing a year ago. Right. And mm. all these trends, they what happens is they peak and then they settle and they peak and then they settle. The same thing happened with BookTube on yeah. YouTube. The same thing happened with Bookstagram on Correct. Instagram. All of these channels still work. I'm not saying that that BookTube is dead. It's for sure not. But then BookTok became the new sexy thing, right? But its big moment has slightly passed. It's still better than some of the other other ones. So if you are wanting to try it, do it, but it requires you to know how to do it. So you need to know how to do the video piece because TikTok is all about video and it requires you to feed the beast very regularly. So when I teach minimalist marketing and I'm saying, you know, post often, but not so often you get burnt out, you're going to have to at the front end, at least as you're building your platform from zero on TikTok, you're going to have to post pretty frequently in order to build up that platform again. So that doesn't mean that doesn't mean don't do it. That just means go in with realistic expectations. Um, and the other big piece about social media marketing is what we call networking. So you have to go in and make friends with other people who are already there, right? You have to build relationship with other content creators that are on TikTok. And that's another investment of time. You have to go in and you have to be liking and commenting on other people's posts. You have to be connecting even outside of the platform if they happen to have a channel on Instagram or Twitter as well um, and start to kind of build relationships to make those connection points as well to grow your own platform and your own channel. So absolutely give it a try if it's something that you are game for. But if you are somebody who's intimidated by video, it's it's you're not going to see the same level of success. So okay. that little caveat. So. So, you, so you're saying that book talk sort of peaked, right? So yeah, not, it's not dead. I'm just saying. Okay. It's, so. okay. So can you predict predict what's the next big thing? Do you have any prediction? I actually can't because the reason TikTok <laughs> the reason TikTok did so well is because it was a new platform. Okay. Right? It was because TikTok was relatively new, and then TikTok became like really successful, especially among the younger crowd at first, uh, and it grew and. I don't, I don't see another social media platform being developed right now that, you know, Instagram, the same thing happened with Instagram. Instagram was doing amazing when it was like the new kid on the block and everyone was trying out the new thing and, and social media or uh, social media platforms 
they, they pop up and they die and they pop up and they die. There's actually a lot of them out there that most of your audience has never heard of because they, they weren't successful. Right. Um, if you're, if you're in the the tech development world, it's a big risk to start a social media uh, platform. So nobody could have guessed, you know, so Instagram got kind of lucky. I mean, Instagram is owned by Facebook, of course. Um, TikTok kind of got lucky in that, um, they, you know, they were, they actually took off when so many other ones didn't. I do know of a new platform that just came out this year that is specifically devoted for books, Mm. but I wouldn't be able to say, oh, they're the next TikTok. Uh, But if you want your readers or excuse me, your listeners, if they would like to know they can check out Copper Books, C-O-P-P-E-R. Um, they're basically trying to be the new Goodreads. Um, Goodreads has been pretty disappointing for authors for a lot of them, unless you're, again, unless you happen to do it really well or be really lucky. Uh, Goodreads is owned by Amazon and they have not really developed updates platform mm. to make it easier. And so there is a new social media channel that is specifically about books. So you literally go in and you create a profile and there's threads and, um, little group videos, um, that mm. you can do, um, and you just talk about books and your favorite books. Um, and so it's just, it's literally a social media platform that is about readers and writers. Uh, oh, wow. So we'll see what happens with it. But it sounds like a, it's, I'm on there and I really enjoy it. Oh, I, ne- I need to check it out. So when, when did it launch and who's behind it? Do you know? Uh, yes, I it launched. Well, I don't know the exact date, but it's less okay. than a year. Less than okay. a year. Like it's brand new. So it launched, and I have actually met the developer. Her name is Allison Trowbridge. I don't know a ton about her, other than I mean, I met her at a writers retreat. That's how I heard about the platform. Okay, um, and she is an author who was also she wrote nonfiction. Um, and when her first book came out, she was kind of disappointed in the marketing kind of you know options like we're talking about now. Um, and there wasn't a good way to connect with her audience around the topic she wrote about and have really good conversations, right? And so she saw, you know, that, you know, all the different platforms kind of specialized in something else. So TikTok specializes in video, Instagram for photography. There wasn't really anything for readers and writers that was a platform focusing on them. And so she went out to change that. So. Okay. Would, do you give different advice to self-published authors that, that like traditional published authors or those who published with the big five or published with a, a small press? So what kind of advice would you give to, you know, yeah. traditionally so, published versus self-published? So if you're, first of all, if you're with the big five, um, I wouldn't really give you advice at all. <laughs> Because if okay. you are published with the big five, you've got a team who's going to help tell you what to do and what your expecta- what their expectations of you are okay. for the marketing. If you are traditionally published with any other press, small or okay. medium size, or even big, but not the big five, okay. that, that I do have some specific advice for. And then indie authors, you know, if you're self-published, then there's a lot more of the load on you. So the benefit to being self-published is you have access to the data of your book and you don't if you're traditionally published. So you can look at how what, how many book sales are happening, whether you're selling on Amazon, whether you're selling you know, to bookstores through Ingram Spark. You actually know what your sales are like. You can take out ads in some of these places like Amazon ads or the bookstore catalog at Ingram Spark. 
um, that goes to bookstores has done well for some of my authors and just getting their books onto bookstore shelves. And that's an option for you when you are traditionally published, or excuse me, self-published. When you're traditionally published, that's not an option for you because your publisher owns the book. Your publisher is in charge of um, sales, ads, distribution, right? So you are at that point as a traditionally published author, you are, your sole focus is um, connection with readers. I shouldn't say sole, there's two. There's one is connection with readers. That's the biggest one. And the second one is visibility through interviews. Yeah. You know, like this, like going on podcasts. Now you might have a publicist if you're traditionally published that will help get you on interviews, but they will likely not get you on enough interviews. And they, and even if they do, the ball is still in your court to do well on those interviews and to then push those interviews forward as much as you can. So as you know, as a podcast host, one of the things I'm imagining is frustrating on your end is when you have a guest like me on your show and I come and I, I get to talk to your audience and then afterwards I say bye and I never listen again and I don't post to my audience that I was on your show. Like, like I don't tell my audience about your podcast, mm. right? Which is bad, which is considered bad practice and you know mm. bad form. What I'm going to do after we're done here, once this interview comes out, is I'm going to go on my social media and I'm going to go mm-hmm. on my newsletter that I've curated and tell them all about Natasha Tynes and her amazing podcast that I got to be on, right? Okay. And try to get you new listeners as well so that this is kind of a mutual relationship. Okay. And what authors sometimes don't realize when they are doing publicity is they come and they you know, they perform well on the podcast or the, the radio show or whatever, um, and then they don't really do anything after that they think that it's up to somebody else to to push it out to their readers and it's not it's actually up to you and you need to be telling all of your readers that you're on the podcast and you can do it more than once sometimes what I'll see is they'll be like yep here's a here's the link to the show I was on and then they say it one time and they never touch it again And, and you can you can repost that episode you know, or that link two or three or four times in the next couple of weeks to make sure that all of your readers get a chance to see it. And the host of that interview will be very grateful to you. And that will help the interview perform better. It will help get more visibility both directions. And and that links to your book, right? That links to information about you, which is how they find your book. Yeah. 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 So now you know like the market is changing as i said when i published my book now like everything changed you know uh, kdp now is huge they you know changed it dramatically it's very easy i i played around with it and do you think people should just skip the gatekeepers and self-publish i talked with one of the author i mean i talk with authors all the time and and one of them who also works in a, in a traditional publishing house. One of the things that he was telling me is that self-published authors, you know, still do not sell as good as uh, traditional published authors. So like you have, you know, self-published authors still lag behind when it comes to the numbers. Do you agree with that or is the trend shifting? So I would lo- I'd love to hear from you. I do. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, that if if you can get a traditional publishing deal, I still do think that that is the best path to more sales and a a, a bigger career 
traditionally speaking, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, the way we would think of career, of a writing career. There are a few reasons for that. One, the the one at the very top is money, 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 money. It's all about money. And if you are an indie author, there's, there are definitely self-published authors who've done very, very well, who have gotten certain bestseller rankings in different places, but it has been a exhausting and B they have to pay for everything. Yeah. Right. You have to pay for not just the, the book design and the book editor, which right up front, just to create the package of the, what makes your book a book is many thousands of dollars. True. And it has to be good to stand out amongst all the other books on KDP. Right. So it has to be professionally done, which means you cannot cut corners. And then for the visibility, if you want to use some of the best, uh, some of these strategies that a lot of the best selling authors use, you're looking at spending money on advertising. Or getting into places. I don't know if you've heard of BookBub, but there yeah. are um, there are kind of newsletters that will recommend your book. Um, this is for both traditional and, and indie authors. They do, but the difference is that a traditional press would have a press to pay that fee to yeah. get mentioned. And if you're an indie author, that's still coming out of your pocket too. Yeah. And so usually, what happens is is where where the indie authors kind of stall out is is when the money stalls out. It's it's not for lack of it's not for their book not being good. It's not for lack of desire or effort or fulfilling their dreams. Like they're doing all the right things, but there's only so much money, especially yeah. before the profit comes back. Because if you're publishing also through KDP, you have to realize that there's a delay in when you get your paycheck from those books. That you can't I think it's a, a couple of months before when a book is sold, like you don't in two weeks, you're not seeing your profit from that sale. It's mm. it, there's a window that Amazon leaves open, at least as of this, as of the timing of this recording, of course, these platforms change all the time, okay. but there's a delay. And I believe that's to allow for returns in case somebody doesn't want the book anymore or made a mistake. They allow for returns before they pay out the author, but your expenses are still there. Okay. Um, and so that that piece is 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 something that that holds uh, self-published writers back a little bit, unfortunately. The other thing is there are certain doors that are still closed to tr- to uh, self-published authors when it comes to media coverage. Um, even if you go through a small press, if you have you know the letterhead of a small press that is on the pitch letter to go to a book reviewer at thus and such magazine. It is hard to get a book review at, say, a newspaper or a magazine these days. It is hard even if you're traditionally published. But they are more likely to choose the books that have a traditional press. And they are getting really good at being able to tell the difference between when they're when they're seeing the publishing logo of a self-published author, a traditional press, or a hybrid press, right? Because th- these people aren't dummies. They, they're in this industry too. And it, maybe a few years ago, you could have, you know, you create a logo for your, for the publishing arm of your books and you, you send it out and you act all professional and maybe the book reviewer doesn't realize it. You even have a website, right? But that's not the case anymore. All these book reviewers know they can tell the difference. They can do a little bit of digging and, and they're going to look more favorably on your book because there's still a bias there. And their audience is huge. I mean, if you get a if you get a book review from a you know from a newspaper from the book section of a, a major newspaper, let's say that's going to do really good things to your book sales. That it's going to be hard for you to do as a self published author. Yeah, I mean, I was just smiling because I have my own LLC and my own you know media LLC. So my um I'm actually 
gonna I took my rights back from the my traditional publisher and I'm gonna mm-hmm. self-publish my first novel and I'm publishing under my LLC so it doesn't have my name as the publisher it has the name of my LLC but I was thinking about like how would they know <laughs> it's me they would know they they'll they'll figure it out but that said let me let me do say uh, yes it's true that the top of the line of traditionally published authors are selling better and making more money than the top of the line of self-published authors. But right now you are comparing two groups that are quote unquote, like at the top, right? And nobody likes to think of their art as being rated that way, right? Like these books are your passion projects, right? These stories that live inside of you. But if you just look at the numbers, yes, that's true. But could you do better as a self-published author climbing the ladder faster than you would through the traditional path, right? Because so let's say, I mean, if you never get through the gatekeepers or if you do, but they barely touch your book because you're not their favorite pony in the show yeah. this year, which happens all the time, then you have nothing. Whereas if you had self-published and, and your goals were smaller, you could be significant in the self-publishing sphere versus not even breaking out the gate in the traditional publishing sphere, right? So so when when authors are considering which path they want, they really I would really caution you to, to not just compare the people at the top because as much as we all think that we're the best, there does have to be a little bit of a reality check. And the question is I'm not the best. Would you be in the top one percent anyway? And if not, then let's pick the path that gives you more control. Because then you would make more money if you could control, you know, within your bracket, if you had more control of the money and could see the numbers, then that's different, right? Mm. Well, the, the issue with traditionally published is for me, the bottleneck is getting an agent. And getting yeah. an agent is really, really tough. And how long are you going to wait to get an agent before you publish? I mean, you might as well just, you know... Yes. Uh, pass away before even getting an agent and which happens you know people have all these amazing stories to tell like memoirs or whatever how long can you wait for this to happen do you think we need some sort of a change in the way agents are being maybe we need an app for <laughs> picking an agent <laughs> yeah. that's an idea you know let's you find someone you should become an app developer instead <laughs> money you would make if you could develop I'll- I'll hire I'll hire a developer. I'm just the brain behind it. <laughs> They'll make a lot of money that way. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just I don't see picking an agent. I don't see like I don't see it as sustainable. It's not time efficient. It's there should be some sort of a change when it comes to finding an agent. What what do you think? I 100% agree with you. Yeah. This the publishing industry as it exists, it's 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 broken. It, there's yeah. no other way to say that and I don't know anyone who does not agree with that. Yeah. I would bet that if you interviewed people working in the big 5 industries that, you know, if you if you, you know, got them in a quiet corner, maybe after they've had a few, uh, you could get them to admit themselves that that the industry is not serving us the way it should. Yeah, um, I can tell you so many horror stories. I mean, I just signed a new client who um, this, he's not a new a new author. He's had tons of success as an author, going through significant not the big five presses, but close to the big five, really significant okay. presses. And he 
couldn't get a new agent. You know, he had one years ago, but couldn't get a new one, even though he had all this success to show for it. And the same story with my husband. My husband is an author. He wrote a fantastic book. I'm a little biased, but I thought it was fantastic. I read a lot of books, you know, and in in my line of work and in I have my whole life. That's why I'm in this industry. And I thought his work was something very unique that was outside of what a lot of people were publishing right now. Couldn't, it was crickets back. Like they don't even send you rejection letters anymore. Yeah. They just don't reply yeah. to your email. And so he ended up publishing through a university press. Um, okay. And that's what the change that I see happening is there's a lot of these small presses that don't require agenting to submit your manuscript. I don't know if that's a perfect solution either, but that is that is a path that I am constantly reminding writers about when they reach out to me and they have questions because this is the stage they're at. I, I always say try for the agent first because if that if you can go that path, that's the one that's going to set you up for the best success. But eventually, if you don't hear back, you gotta you can't just let your book sit in a drawer. Right. I mean, that's just creatively devastating. Um, mm. You have to find a secondary path. And so, you know, my husband found a great university press and, and you know what? They treated his book with so much respect. Yeah. That's the one nice thing about a small press is because of their size, they, they can be human beings with you. Mm. You know, they mm. don't just see you as a commodity and the thing that wrote a, a product for them. Um, and then that, and that can be a very wonderful relationship, but they don't have the budgets that the big guys do. So then you're back again talking to somebody like me and we're having the marketing conversation because it'll say like, I mean, just in my husband's contract, it literally says that basically they're going to do, they're not going to do any marketing beyond the basic distribution channels, right? And that the rest is up to him. So then even though he's not a self-published author, he is still somebody who has to do 100% of the marketing himself. But he has you, so <laughs> yes, he does. He's lucky. He's got me. He, he's lucky. So, do you take on clients after they get published, or when they have their manuscript ready? Because um, so, you mentioned, yeah, yeah. So, what I do is a little. So, I don't take one-on-one clients at all anymore. I did yeah. at the beginning of my career, and I would basically do what's called done-for-you services, where you hire me and I create some social media posts for you. If you're not on the right distribution channels, I'll literally upload your book there. I will, I will serve as a publicist. And I was sending out kind of pitch letters for on behalf of authors to um, media and other industry professionals. And I was trying to do all these things that was just, it was too much for one person, first of all, but also it, what happened is I also, as you said, the industry is changing. And just like you hear crickets back, from uh, sending to an agent. There were starting to be a lot more crickets back from the media too, even though previously I had I had not had that. And, and one of the big pieces is that we, we live in an era right now because of social media where people expect access, mm. right? And I was being the go-between between the author and their audience through social media. I would sometimes run their social media channels for them. Yeah. And also between the author and the media, creating another like step, you know, so they had to ask me for the phone number of the author just in order to get a hold of him or her to uh, set up okay. an interview. And it was creating barriers instead of helping. Okay. So that's why I became a book marketing coach instead of a book marketer. So I just teach authors how to do it themselves. Okay. Okay. So what I do when I take on new clients, mostly it's just an interview. And if they need um, 
a little beginning assistance to set up a plan for themselves, I'll help them come up with a plan. But that's all I do for them anymore. The rest that uh, of what they get from me is they can sign up for my newsletter. And I do an educational newsletter that's free. And eventually I am in the middle of finishing up my first course. And I'm going to have courses available that people can purchase and kind of go at your own pace type mm. of thing where they can walk through the different steps where I actually teach you how to do the different pieces of what makes a good pitch letter to the media? What does it need to include? How, when do you follow up and how much, you know, what should that follow up look like? Stuff like that. What platform are you using for the course? I'm using Podia. Podia. Okay. So you're not, yeah, you're not doing like cohorts or anything like that. It just, you're just recording the video and people will watch it. Yeah. For now, my my plan eventually is there will be um, there will be a little piece, a little cohort piece, but only temporary. So what I have found, I, I used to run a membership group that was, for, you know, um, that was a lot like a cohort where you'd pay a recurring subscription fee and you would work with me inside the platform regularly, but it would be like a group coaching thing. But it was, I found it was not necessary. Like I want to give people an off ramp as well as an on ramp because I think we're all weary of paying subscription fees for eternity. And then, you know, yeah. when are we done type of a thing? And so I realized doing a temporary cohort around a course would better serve people. So eventually what I plan to do is for some of my more significant courses along with the course would be say four weeks, six weeks kind of a, a group conversation and help. Uh, but then actually like set people up. So like now, now you have the information. Now I've worked with you. Um, now you're ready to, to go and fly from the cage. Okay. Got it. So I just want to go back a bit and ask you about how did you even get into that whole business of being a, a what do you call it again? <laughs> a book a, marketing book coach. Marketing how did you well, get I, into that? Yeah. I, I want to hear your like backstory. I call myself an accidental book marketer. I did okay. not set out to do this. Um, I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. That's the, okay. I wanted the path that a lot of the authors that I work with um, okay. are that I help them take. That's what I intended. It's why I went. And I got a degree in English. Um, you know, I did all the. I got a certificate in publishing years ago. Right, thinking it okay. was just more for me though. Like I was just going to learn how the publishing industry works. Okay. Um, but then I made the mistake of taking this uh, this marketing course in college, this advanced marketing class, and I just loved it. Like I found that I just really thrived off of that kind of business side. Okay. Um, and the the thinking about. The data and the visibility and, and I just I I just enjoyed it. And so after college, you know, you need a job to pay off the school loans and no yeah. one needs you to write the books. You have to there's this little delay, right? And so I had to get a job. So I got a yeah. job of marketing. <laughs> and so I've been in marketing to into various industries, not always in books, but just okay. in marketing for about 15 years. Oh. And my my last like nine to five traditional job was at an art center, a regional art center um, here in Minnesota where I live. And we served nine counties, I believe four Native American reservations. It was a, and I get to be their communications director. It was a really mm -hmm. an incredible job and an incredible opportunity for me. Um, and, and it was really a fulfillment for me because I was back to working with artists, which was my favorite group of people. Okay. And we worked with all kinds of, of artists, not just writers, but writers was was included, you know, in the term artist, of course. Okay. And and so I would I would help authors through my through our center um, with like their book launch 
and with writing press releases and stuff like that. And so when I when I had my second child and I decided I was going to stay home with her um, and try to do some some part time freelance work, I had some connections I had made there with authors. Were like, hey could you do this just on a freelance capacity for us? And at first I was like, no, this isn't what I want, was going to do. Yeah. Um, and then, then I was like, you know, I'll just, I'll just try it. And then pretty soon, just like that marketing class back in college, I realized I loved it. Um, and then I, and then the next thing I do, I have a whole business around this. So, so this is a bit meta, but how do you market your marketing business? This way, right now, <laughs> okay. with you. <laughs> I reach out to podcasts. I also have reached. I've been doing some events lately. Um, uh-huh. So, like, like, like Zoom um, events where where there's a lot of different industry professionals that are in the okay. domain and teach. So, I do a lot of teaching through that way. I've mm-hmm. also taught at um, writers retreats, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're just looking looking online, and I and I find writers retreats or events or speaking engagements that that sound like they'd be a good fit for for what I want to do and that want to talk about the industry more the industry and not just the the writing piece Um, and I reach out to them I send a pitch just like I teach authors to send a pitch to the you know to when they want to get coverage for press I send I send a pitch too to say hey do you want to talk about book marketing Mm. so what is what is the number one social media (laughs) That get, gives you the, the biggest ROI, social media platform. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready for this. Yep. I don't use social media to market my business. I Ooh. do have social media personally. I have like, um, I have an Instagram that's probably my biggest platform, and a lot of my authors follow me there because they know I'm there. I use my newsletter as my connection point to my followers. Why not social media? I'm curious. Because of my minimalist strategy, because social media is a beast that constantly has to be fed. So for me to grow my business on social media, I need to give new advice every single day. And is as a mom of two little kids, um, my oldest is finally in kindergarten, so I have a little bit of a break. Um, but I just and is and I, I still need to create the content for my you know current clients and current clientele and all the newsletters I put out. There's not also a time to do say like a TikTok tutorial video. Um, and do it well. Um, and so this is this gets back to kind of my philosophy and marketing is pick one connection point or two if you if you you know if you have it in you, but I only had one in me. So I chose my newsletter because that's the best way that I found to give educational content, especially in long form. And I also found like a lot of authors were they appreciated that more because they are trying to write. so they're not on they're not checking social media all the time. yeah. So yeah. instead, they get a once a month comprehensive newsletter from me that comes to their email that they can read whenever they're ready for it, and they will see it. The algorithm gods might not aren't going to like hide it from them. So that has been very successful for me, actually. Um, and I was, you know, I, I went in the same as I tell my authors. I experimented with a few things. I did use my personal social media to kind of try see to tip, dip my toes in the water to see if I put some marketing content like what's it going to look like what's the response going to be and I found the most success with the newsletter so I went with the newsletter hmm. so how do you market your newsletter <laughs> through I do do it through social media I, I will post on my personal um one you know saying hey I'm getting ready for a new newsletter 
Um, and with, with Instagram, you know, you can use hashtags that are relevant to the topic of the post. And so that okay. reaches new people. But then it's the same thing as this. Every time I go on a podcast, a few more people go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. Every time I ask to teach at an event, a few more people go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. And so the the work, the creation of the content itself, it actually becomes my marketing. Mm. I'm going to sign up for newsletter now. <laughs> I'm, 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 really, I'm really curious. Uh, okay. So before we conclude, what are like top five tips you would give to new authors or aspiring authors to market their books? So I'm just five tips. Five tips. Okay. You might have to keep track of me. What number? <laughs> five, five, five quick tips. Okay. So quick tips. Focus on the current audience you have first. Okay. Um, Everyone thinks, oh, I need to find new readers. And you do, but what you don't realize is that your readers find more readers for you. So if you treat well your core readers, they're going to start talking about your book, sharing your posts, et cetera, et cetera. And that's going to grow organically. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be some of the best, that's the best marketing. It's called word of mouth advertising yeah. that you can do. Because if a friend recommends a book to you, you're going to read that book, right? Yeah. If you yeah. see an ad on, you know, on Instagram, you might be no. semi-interested, but the chances of you buying the book from that ad are pretty low. So you won't get that great word of mouth advertisement advertising if you don't treat your core people well. Yeah. So focus on the readers you already have is my first tip. Second of all is choose... Um, marketing, create a marketing plan. There's, there's an A part and B part to this one. First, create a marketing plan at the beginning when you are getting ready to publish your book. That is just kind of an outline. Don't don't think of it as something super legalistic. It doesn't have to be okay. like, get in exactly this many podcasts every single week, but just a rough outline for what you want the marketing to look like and okay. create a plan that is sustainable, which, which might mean looking smaller than you think that you intended it to be, right? Okay. It's much more important to be sustainable than it is to, you know, to make something top heavy. Okay. Because then that's number three, um, which kind of ties in, which is don't stop. Because the worst thing that you can do in marketing is to stop, right? What happens, mm. um, authors think, oh, I have a year to market my book. And that is roughly true when it comes to okay. getting media coverage. Um, once your book is more than a year old, a newspaper is probably not going to want to interview you. But then they're like, this little date is in their mind. So then when they hit that first anniversary, they're like, now I can stop. I'm <laughs> so sick of talking about this book, right? Yeah. Um, and then they just shut up, right? And they never talk about their book anymore. Yeah. And, and you don't want to do that. You want to, if you create, if you're, if your point number two, which was to create something that's sustainable is not burning you out, then you can keep talking about it without it dropping away, which is, which is very, very important. Mm. Um, so that's three. Uh, number four is to use borrowed audiences, which means media coverage, right? So using a borrowed audience means you need to go and have a conversation with somebody else in order to talk to their followers. Okay. So if you uh, go on a podcast, that podcast audience hears you. If you have a conversation on, let's say, do like a YouTube live with another person or an Instagram live or Facebook live with another author, maybe it's not even media coverage. Maybe it's two authors collaborating together, right? Then both of your audiences are going to watch your conversation. Um, And so each of you will get followers from the other person 
Okay. Got um, it. So that, that would be number four. Okay. Oh, let's see. And then number five, which is the first one that we talked about is just whatever you do, make sure you have a connection point so that your readers can connect with you somehow. It doesn't mean that you have to give them full access. I believe in setting boundaries, but there has to be a hub spot where you can gather your people. That could be social media and it can be any platform you choose. It can be your newsletter, which is what, what I do. If you are an author who's a, maybe more of a local author, you're not trying to um, you know, get out on Amazon. You're just, maybe you wrote a book that is about you know, a, a historical event that happened near your hometown. Maybe for you, your marketing goal is to stay kind of a, a big deal in your hometown. Then it's mm-hmm. literal events, right? But just make sure that you have provided some kind of connection point so that people who are fans of you get a chance to see you. Mm. because then they're going to feel like they're building a relationship with you. And then that loops back around my first point, which is then you're treating, you're treating your audience. Well, you're treating your current fans. Well, and it's breeding that loyalty. Mm. Well, uh, I mean, this has been wonderful and, and eye opening and um, you get, you got me fired up about marketing. Yeah. I've been just so busy with everything that I'm kind of forgot about all the marketing part when it, when it comes to my books, but I'm going to go ahead and subscribe to your newsletter. What's the name of newsletter for anyone who's, who's listening as well or yes. watching? So if, it's the same as my website. So if you go to goodenoughbookmarketing.com is my website okay. and right on the homepage will be the place that you can sign up um, and you'll see, you'll get a free download too, with also some tips that I have. Oh, nice. Okay. And so, so there'll be even more stuff. In fact, I don't even know that we talked about some of the tips that I have on there. So there's even more content there. <laughs> That's that's fantastic. So thank you very much for spending an hour with me. And uh, I'm sure everyone uh, is going to enjoy all your tips. And if anyone wants help marketing their book, you know where to go. So th- <laughs> thank, thank you, you very- so much, Natasha. This was, a, this was a, a fun conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, yeah, me too. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Take care. And for anybody who's uh, spent an hour with us, thank you so much for listening or watching. And until we meet again. Bye.